Welcome to Silly History. I'm Matt Pekarski. I love funny stories, especially when they come from real life. I've compiled a long list of true tales that made me laugh, and now I want to share them with you. There's a lot of crazy stuff historical figures did or said, and yet we've never heard about them. History class would have been a lot more interesting with some of these sprinkled in here and there. Not that I ever disliked learning history. Hopefully there's at least a couple of yarns you haven't heard before. Let's hear one now. In 1959, the Cold War was in full swing. Both the United States and Russia had emerged as superpowers when the Second World War ended, and they began to argue over Russia's level of political and economic influence in post-war Germany and Japan. Tensions continued to grow when the U.S. and Britain collaborated to upheave budding communist governments across the globe, while Russia was working to grow them. Nikita Khrushchev assumed leadership over the USSR in November 1956. Much to everyone else's surprise, he denounced Stalin and his crimes. Khrushchev was still pro-communism and had every intention of converting the world over to the ideology. He believed in a peaceful coexistence with the West, believing it would allow capitalism to naturally die off. Nevertheless, it didn't stop him from constantly threatening the West with nuclear annihilation. In his view, you were allowed to agree to disagree, and whomever was right would ultimately win. That being said, don't even think about messing with Russia. Khrushchev's motto seemed to be a varied take on Theodore Roosevelt's own motto, speak loudly and carry a big stick. With war tensions semi-relaxed between the U.S. and Russia, then-Vice President Richard Nixon traveled to Moscow for the 1959 American National Exhibition. Khrushchev met with him, and together they toured a model American home, surveying all of the upscale amenities and appliances the American people could afford. The Soviet leader wasn't impressed, however, and as he and Nixon made their way into the kitchen, their discourse on capitalism versus communism grew heated. The scene, which was televised, became popularly referred to as the kitchen debate. Another capitalistic player was there to showcase his company's product. Donald Kendall, the head of the Pepsi International Division, felt it was time to help cool things down. After all, a little diplomacy could mean new business, and Russia was a massive, untapped market. Coca-Cola didn't enter the Russian market until 1992, so if Pepsi managed to gain entry in 59, they would have decades of market dominance. It was an incredible opportunity, and Don Kendall wasn't going to waste it. Don started pouring and passing cups of the fizzy beverage all around. Mr. Khrushchev reluctantly accepted one and suspiciously sipped the drink for the first time. To his surprise and delight, he loved it. In fact, he loved it so much, he desperately wanted to import the product and was just about willing to offer anything as payment. But Soviet currency was all but worthless outside the nation's borders. Khrushchev needed to think of something he could utilize as money. What isn't a globally accepted form of currency, but still just as valuable? The answer is vodka, of course. Pepsi agreed to exchange their product for Russia's state-owned Stolichnya vodka, thus making the first-ever business deal with the USSR during the Cold War. As a result, Pepsi became the most popular soft drink in Russia, and Stolichnya became the second most popular vodka in the US. The agreement lasted well into the 1980s, until multiple political factors undermined the long-standing deal. 
Pepsi soda was still in high demand by Russian citizens, so a new deal had to be struck. But what could a crumbling government use as currency now? Finally, the two parties reached a new deal. This time, it wouldn't be money or alcohol. It wouldn't be oil or another important natural resource. No, it was something else. Something even the U.S. government wasn't too happy to see Pepsi acquire. In 1989, Pepsi was paid by Russia $3 billion in the form of a small naval fleet. 17 submarines, one frigate, one cruiser, and one destroyer. For a brief moment in time, an organization fully detached from any one government owned the sixth largest navy in the world. The vessels Pepsi received were in pretty bad shape, though. Most of the ships struggled to float, and their hulls were covered in rust. One vessel kept taken on water and had to be continuously pumped out while being transported. Ultimately, the company sold the ships to a Swiss scrapyard and struck another but smarter deal with Russia. But in the moment, even the condition of Pepsi's navy didn't help the U.S. national security team feel any better about the acquisition. In response to their misgivings, Donald Kendall, now the CEO of the entire Pepsi Corporation, had only this to say. I'm dismantling the Soviet Union faster than you are. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, please subscribe, give it a five-star rating, and share with not one but two of your friends. If I haven't told your favorite silly story from history, send me an email at nightowlbroadcasting at gmail.com. Subject, Silly History Story. This is a Night Owl production and made possible thanks to donations by you, the listener.